Welcome to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, which aims to advance gospel-centered youth ministry by equipping and empowering youth ministers and parents to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ. The Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast is part of the Rooted Family of Podcasts, which also includes Ask Alice, All About Boys, and Thanos to Theos. The audio from this episode was recorded during our 2020 micro-conferences. And to learn more about our upcoming 2021 conference on October 7th through 9th, visit www.rootedministry.com. This workshop is entitled Discipling in the Epidemic of Loneliness, and it's led by Anamid Harris and Liz Edrington. Anamid Harris is our very own rooted editor-in-chief of our blog. She's also a single mom of three nearly almost grown sons, and she's the author of a teen devotional called Fresh Faith. Liz Edrington receives her master's in counseling from RTS Orlando, and she serves on staff at North Shore Fellowship in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and is also a licensed counselor at the Summit Counseling Centers. She's worked with youth and young adults since, uh, for many years and has been on our rooted steering committee since 2010. Both these women have become such dear friends to me through my own time at Rooted. They've been the most empathetic, compassionate people I've grown to know. And they're often my biggest cheerleaders, my biggest encouragements when it comes to my own life and ministry. So it's such a pleasure to have these two, especially to talk about such a pertinent topic in this season of COVID on loneliness. So let's pray for these two sageful, wise women as they impart their knowledge to us. Father, we thank you for the lives of Liz and Anna. We thank you for all that they've gone through that's given them the knowledge and wisdom that they have in this topic of loneliness. Father, we know that their journeys have not been easy in this, and yet use what they have to bless others. For Father, we know that nothing goes wasted under your sovereignty and your Spirit's working. So would you do that work in us, God? Show us how we can move towards our students in love by our presence and our incarnational presence with them in Christ. And Lord, we simply ask that you would move towards us, God. May we find friendship with one another here at Rooted, but also with you. And Lord, we would more fully embrace your commands to love one another across these communal lines. We thank you in your son's name. Amen. It's a a treasure to be with my friend Anna here. Uh, We are experts in loneliness. (laughs) You haven't guessed yet since we're going to be talking. About, yeah. I know. We're here to share our expertise with you. Um, and our, our topic, so the topic of our workshop is discipling in the epidemic of loneliness. And Anna is a mother of three boys who are two who are going to be in college, one who just graduated from college. And I'm on staff at a church in Chattanooga and have worked for the church in various forms since 2006. So youth ministry, even before that, has been a regular part of my life. And I have a counseling degree and have a private practice here in Chattanooga for five years. So counseling and ministry, big part of my heart. Loneliness is something I'm familiar with on a number of levels. And the hope today is really both to to get our fingers on the pulse of the problem, of the, the issue or the reality is a better word to put to it, of loneliness. And then to give you hope of what does this look like? What does it mean to disciple in a pandemic when already loneliness was being called an epidemic by folks like the UK who has a minister of loneliness and right yeah we actually patted ourselves on the back that we might have a gift of prophecy that we have titled this workshop 
before the pandemic and now we have a true epidemic um yeah there there uh the surgeon general has declared um loneliness a a, a growing health problem in the united states it's one of a, a factor leading cause of, of um, chronic health problems that's right um and we're going to talk about what it means to be a um, embodied human and how it affects us not just emotionally but physically as well um, that's right so maybe we should start by defining this amorphous um, thing that we call loneliness there's a lot of terms that we can put to it and it is something that's experienced very individually so it may be that the word loneliness doesn't necessarily resonate with you but there are some other words that are, are really similar that <laughs> that define it as well. Um, That's right. So some of the words, I think Paul David Tripp's New Morning Mercies gave some other good words. So you might not associate with, hey, I'm a lonely person, or hey, I have moments of loneliness, but you might be able to resonate with the words like alienated or unloved can come along with that. Unseen, alone, distant, misrepresented, misunderstood, pacified, taken for granted, um, or you wonder whether there's anyone who cares. Um, and I think when I, I think about my moments of loneliness, it's like, no one knows what this is like. Does anyone even know? Does anyone see me? Um, and then I love this last phrase, or that in, in the moment, if it's acute, we're, we're going to talk about both acute and chronic loneliness, <clears throat> that there's no one to share your heart with, or no one who really sees, understands, hears your heart. So... There are different experiences of loneliness. There are short-term lonelinesses and long-term lonelinesses. Mm -hmm. A short-term loneliness might be the initial shock when you get bad news mm -hmm. or a bad diagnosis or a letter in the mail mm -hmm. um, that, is, that is a shock. And you, you try to think about who, how are you going to handle this and who's going to help you cope yeah. in, the, in the short term. Uh, Long-term loneliness would be like widowhood or singlehood or um, living with a chronic illness, something like that. And interestingly enough, I think this pandemic, we thought was going to be a short-term loneliness. We thought we would be quarantined for a month or two, and it's turning into a, a long-term loneliness. And so when we're thinking about how we're now facing long-term loneliness in the face of the, in the reality of the pandemic, Liz, like, what... What would you say some of the spheres in which we experience loneliness? What are the levels of loneliness mm. that, that we face? Okay, loneliness. So a couple of other things to know about it is we want to distinguish loneliness from being alone or being isolated, right? Because you can be with a whole group of people and be exceptionally lonely. Um, and I'm thinking about my friends who are moms right now in the epidemic and the pandemic uh, and that experience of all they're having to deal with, with homeschooling and decisions, there can be extraordinary loneliness, even though they're with their kids or their family all of the time. Yeah. Um, so being alone and being lonely can be two different things. Um, and then sometimes those of us who are introverted or who have different stories can be in solitude or be alone and not experience loneliness. So loneliness, this kind of unseen, heavy burden, um, I guess mist is aching. A good word. Aching is a good word. Mm -hmm. um, Sense that something is missing and there's no way to get it. Yeah, that's a good a good way to put it. And 
it can be, it can happen anywhere and it can be experienced for a long time. I think sometimes there's so much overlap with suffering for me. It's hard to imagine loneliness without the word suffering. Depression can be a part of that. It doesn't have to be. It often, we know that emotions aren't experienced one at a time. So I don't just have this thing and then I experience that thing. Then I'm happy, then I'm sad. But we can carry a number of them going on at once. And it's incredibly helpful to identify and bring to light. Well, these are the emotions I'm experiencing right now. Um, and loneliness is, it's a hard one. It is a, a painful and uh, really prevalent experience right now. So, so social researchers, I've been really helped by this, have given three different categories for loneliness that I'm gonna explain to you here. And the first one they call is intimate. There's an intimate loneliness. Um, when you think about having a relationship partner or um, a spouse or a best friend, or for me, if I had a really close roommate, um, this is, there are up to five people with whom they're on your inner circle. You're really close. You share your, your closest secrets. You're, um, you rely on them in emotional crisis. These are the people you're going to call if something really hard happens. So when you don't have those close couple people, there can be an intimate type of loneliness. There's also a relational or social loneliness that some of us are experiencing right now where our, this is more like 15 people, um, your next circle out from your most intimate people. These could be your coworkers, your extended family, your church. church. Mm -hmm. Well, church, we're actually going to stick in the category after okay. that. So they might be some friends from church. Um, quality, quality relationships, it's about 15 to 50 people. And these are the people you're going to look to for help with your lawn care, with child care, with alone, like kind of life's issues where when you've got a hard thing going on, you look to your relational or social group. And right now, some of us are missing that more than others. You've got your intimate group, your social relational group. And then this last one is collective, uh, where they, you're looking to the group that you're connected to a bigger purpose for. So for us, that would be the body of Christ, church. Um, it's your larger sense of community. It's 150 to 1500 people, and it's where our social identities lie. Um, so it could be for those who aren't believers, a school, a team, a national identity, um, a, a huge part of what we're lacking in the pandemic right now, because we're not connected in these bigger ways. So you might have a sense of loneliness that's really large. I feel disconnected from my people, right? You might have a smaller, I feel disconnected for those that I know can come help me if my dog is sick. And then you might have a gosh, I've never experienced anything this hard and I don't know who to call type intimate loneliness. So those are the three uh, that they identify. We can have lonelinesses in the spheres. I think to me, one of the hardest things about being lonely is actually telling somebody that I'm lonely. Like actually getting those words out of my mouth yeah. is one of the most painful things about it. It's excruciating. I mean, there's a almost, it feels like a death to me to get to the point where I can actually expose that to somebody like I'm really lonely and you know it strikes me I listened to this Brene Brown podcast on loneliness this great social scientist researcher and she admitted her loneliness in her podcast wow. and it struck me so much of like wait I don't know why but I thought that someone like that who has it all together and has all these answers wouldn't experience loneliness but we do we all do in different points and if we're not I would challenge you therapist Liz would say you know, we're so good at minimizing our emotional experiences, at rationalizing them, explaining them away, or spiritualizing them, sticking a, a verse or a scripture band-aid on them. Um, so instead of actually riding these waves of, waves of our emotion, 
we avoid them, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When actually, I think that's our hope here, we want to move from loneliness is a problem to be fixed, which is a question we all have, like, what do we do with this right now? How do we fix it? And I don't think that's the question we actually want to ask. And we have a better, um, we have a better way of relating through scripture and through our belief in Jesus to, I think it's actually a broken reality to be offered for the kingdom's sake to one another and to the Lord. So when we're just trying to look at it and fix it, it can become our idol. It's something we're serving. We're giving it power. Whereas this hard act that we're both talking about of vulnerably offering our loneliness to someone safe and trusted and inviting our students to do the same, saying like, you know what? Here's my, here's my reality and I'm going to, I'm going to offer it to you. It is so hard to do this, but I do think this is what we're invited to and that actually connection happens here. Um, so question for us, question for you, and we'd invite you to even stop the recording right now to talk about it in your group if you have a chance. It would be, what are some of the stigmas attached to admitting that you are lonely? So you actually, as a parent, as a youth worker, what makes it hard for us to admit that we're lonely? Discuss. <laughs> I don't know. And get back to us. That's right. So if you're now back with us or you never left, what are some of the things we think that make it hard, you know? Oh, uh, for me, ex expressing that I'm lonely feels shameful. Mm. It's embarrassing. Like, part of being alone is thinking you're the only one, right? And so whoever you're telling that you're lonely, you're thinking that person's probably not lonely. That's right. And so they will probably know what you're talking about. Um, and... It's exposing, like, the tenderest part of you. I don't have a connection, and I need a connection. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's brutal mm -hmm. to actually take that to someone. Um, I'll share a little bit of my story mm -hmm. and what loneliness has looked like for me. Uh, I, like anyone, had times of loneliness growing up, times where I felt disconnected from um, my friends, my classmates, my peers, but I hit it hard when um, my husband passed away about 10 years ago, um, 10 years ago this year. And I became a single mom at that point. I have, um, at the time I had a 13 year old, a 12 year old and a nine year old and was parenting them alone after having a supportive spouse, supportive husband, good dad. And I live in a community which is very married. And I'll be honest, the church is a very married place. Many of you know that. And um, marriage is, is the norm in churches. And although I had been married, um, I wasn't anymore. And I was dealing with all of the parenting decisions and kids heading into uh, adolescence and teenager uh, nests. Um, three boys, I'm a girl. There were just so many reasons where it felt, I felt so incredibly alone. And, um, you know, uh, cried out to the Lord. Um, and, and really did experience friends coming alongside. But in the depths of the night, by myself, the dark of the night, 
when I was worried about a child or anxious about bills or whatever it might be, or uh, when you get the note that your child has run away, um, or uh, a whole batch of her of uh, tornadoes came to Alabama shortly after um, after my husband died, and that day feeling like I was the only one. And I know intellectually that God protects my family and I can't protect my family from a tornado. I know that. Mm -hmm. But you still, you feel like you're the only one. And we could have called any number of families for help, but there's the sense that they have their own family Mm -hmm. to worry about. Mm -hmm. And so it's just the four of us, me and my three children. Um, So time and again, for me, being a widow, being a single parent was an experience of uh, real depths of, of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And it's something that um, is still with me now. Even dropping kids off at college, my youngest is going to college, I'm facing an empty nest. Mm-hmm. I'm facing the last college drop-off, watching families hug, and dads say goodbye to their, their children, and it's only me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that's, that's been what it looks like for me. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know you've experienced loneliness in, in a different, also profound, painful, difficult way. Yeah. So I, I'm i 36. I'm on year 36 of singleness. Um, I expected, it's one of those things you don't realize, but I just thought I would be getting married coming out of college. I've always wanted to be married. It's been a, a longing of my heart and uh, not something that the Lord has had for me. So being a youth director and then being in ministry full-time, that can heighten that sometimes. One of the experiences I have in my mind of some of my most significant loneliness would be coming back from a a mission trip. So say for nine days, I've kept this group of children alive in Jamaica, you know, and We've had harrowing experiences and kids hanging their heads out windows, throwing up, and like, you know, the kid that's proposed to you by the reign of Jamaican, and (laughs) there's been spiritual attack, and we've had students come to know Jesus, and I'm exhausted and just thrilled with all of this week that's happened, and I come home to an empty house, Um, or even when I've, I've always had roommates, but they're out with a boyfriend or the fiance, or they don't know the questions to ask, or to come home to nothing uh, after a week like that is extraordinarily lonely. And, um, it is this, like, no one sees the depth of like all the beauty that's happened, all the pain. And yes, the Lord sees me and is with me, but there is, there is just something so acutely painful about that. And I've learned over time to take steps to know like, Hey, I need to call a family or a friend and ask, would you all be up for having me over for dinner when I get back from a retreat? Because it's, uh, it is just a, a suffering that's not meant to be born on its own. Um, but I'd say, yeah, a lot of my my loneliness has revolved around singleness and ministry and uh, needing to be seen and known. Isn't it interesting that loneliness really comes up at times of real intensity, mm-hmm. like coming back after a mission trip, I would experience the same thing after going, taking my kids out of town, coming back, and just acute, intense loneliness right after we get back. Um, or sometimes there's so much loneliness in the mundane. Yeah. The fact that there's no one to drink your coffee with. 
oh my gosh, I thought that multiple times. Like, what would it be like to have someone make me a cup of coffee in the morning? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. a small thing, yeah. but it's very lonely to have that thought. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, I think it can take us by surprise at times. You can plan for it, mm. but then it can also take you by surprise. Right. And um, you can build in, you know, connections with people, but then um, you can also be taken taken aback by it and um blindsided is a word you've used yes yes exactly and um you know it, it uh one of the things about loneliness is that it acts similarly to depression once we feel it once we realize the exact things we need to do to help ourselves move through it and not fix it alleviate some of the intensity of it is, um, you know, to move out of ourselves and establish a connection. But like depression, it's the hardest thing to do. That's right. Loneliness lies to you and tells you you are alone mm -hmm. instead of you're feeling alone. That's right. And, um, mm -hmm. and tack on, so we were talking about some of the stigma, you, stigma, you talk, tack on that, hey, we're Christians, and I'm a professional Christian in ministry, right? I should know how to deal with this. I'm a counselor. I should know how to deal with my loneliness. And these lies that inhibit the, I'm still a human. We're still in the now, but not yet of, well, like one day, loneliness will be redeemed. It will be made untrue in the coming kingdom. We know that, but for here and now, uh, these, especially for those of us in ministry and, and that are parents that are longtime believers, that like, I should have this together. I, should, I mm. shouldn't be feeling lonely. Like there's something wrong with my faith. With the, I'm not doing enough quiet times. I'm not faithful enough right now. This weird connection we make in our minds with I'm doing something wrong or sinful, so I'm lonely. Y'all, we got to destroy that. I think that is not a biblical way of understanding emotion or the heart. And it's, it's not how God works. That's not who he is. Well, and anything should dignify our feeling of loneliness is looking at Jesus on the cross right. and saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. The depths of loneliness that we really can't experience, that can't, can't really know, he experienced it. And imagining what his life would have been like, talk about being the only one. <laughs> he really was the only one. Yeah. And so while he was constantly reaching out to people and really seeing them and connecting them and do the things that we that are helpful in loneliness. He was doing all those things all the time, ministering to people, caring for people, um, sharing his heart with people. He still had to bear incredible loneliness of um, not only the, the, what he was headed toward at the cross, but the perspective that he had that no one could really share. Mm. Um, okay. and he, he dignifies us, but, but he moved toward people in their loneliness. Mm -hmm. And when we share our stories, you know, we, we're, we're friends, we talk, we, when we talk about what our experiences of loneliness are, they're not the same, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a way of moving toward each other mm -hmm. in that. And well, this is what it feels like for me. There's common ground, there's differences, but it, it helps. Mm -hmm. It helps. It actually, um, the word that comes to mind for me, it, it's so hard. It takes courage 
it feels like a death to reach out and say, Liz, I'm really, I'm really lonely. Yeah. And, and there is, I'd even say there is a real death there to some of your own controlling and mm -hmm. try to fix my own. When I do offer that, I've gone from like, I have to hold this thing. It's got to be mine to, uh, all right, this is, I'm putting it back under the authority of the king. This is not just mine and you're my sister. There's, when you're talking about even Jesus' death and his loneliness, when we think about the point he's most vulnerable when he exposes himself for our sake, that is his death on the cross. He takes on, like, my God, my God, why have I forsaken? Why have you forsaken me, right? That ultimate, like, turning of God's back on his son, that separation, that vulnerability is for our behalf. And that's a part of what brings us hope and healing, right? So even for us, enacting that in our Christian lives, there's a, when we are vulnerable with it, when we share our stories like we're doing here with one another, I think we are participating in the death and resurrection of Jesus in the sense of he's with us. My loneliness is not the end of my story. Mm -hmm. It's not more powerful than the resurrected Lord. Absolutely. Right? So you're saying, you're using the word courage and bravery to share, which I mean, is, it's not comfortable to talk about your loneliness, but there is this participation in the sufferings of Christ weirdly, and being united with him, that I think moves us through it. It doesn't solve it this side of the Jordan, but it sure points to where it's going to be solved, to where new heavens, new earth, God is making everything new and right. We have our real hope. Mm -hmm. So there's this participation through our vulnerability mm -hmm. with one another. Instead of when you share with me, I'm not trying to fix it and trying to give you the right verses to read. Right. There's a sharing, a moving through it and bearing together your loneliness and mine instead of, hey, I'm going to try to fix yours when you share or you're going to try to fix mine. There's a, we walk alongside one another in Christ. Yeah. In that. Well, and that walking alongside each other is, is really what we're, what we're yearning for. I mean, it brings us into what we're yearning for to be seen, mm -hmm. to be acknowledged. You know, even if I'm not having a lonely moment and you are and you share with me, um, I can still make, I can still see you. Mm, that's right. And say, that, that feels terrible. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Mm. Tell me more about it. Mm -hmm. Let me know how I can walk through that with you. We can, we can make another person feel, um, that we know who they are, mm. um, you know, you're practicing compassion and empathy. Yeah. Right. Seeing someone, seeing them where they are really well. I imagine, I know that metaphor a lot of you have heard about when your friend falls into the ditch, into depression or into loneliness and they're down there. It doesn't help to start throwing stuff at them to get them out of the ditch, right? Yeah. But to describe, as they tell you what it's like down there, you enter essentially with them into, tell me the landscape of your ditch. And I'll tell you mine, right? But mm. you're you're seeing them well in love and in compassion and through prayer. I mean, Anna and I prayed quite a bit for each other. You know, there's, we're trusting the Lord's work, but we're entering in, in a way that God enters in with us. We're participating in that again. That's, uh, it changes something. It shifts, it shifts how we're relating. Yeah. And, and there are, um, there are other changes that we can make. Um, one of the quotes that, one of the things I found most helpful um, is um, the idea of accepting that this is this side of heaven. This is something that, that 
all people go through to some degree. It looks different. It feels different. Some people want to deny that they ever have it. Um, but, um, but the idea that, um, you know, although it can't be fixed, it can be accepted and offered up to God. Yeah. Born with together and then offered. Yeah. Yeah. It's that <clears throat> Henry Nowen has a book called, um, in the name of Jesus, where he talks about how we are taken, <clears throat> we are taken, blessed, broken, and given. And that might be the wrong order. But when you think about, again, fishes and loaves, like we bring, we bring what we are, we bring what we have and we offer it for the kingdom's sake. And we're talking about the death of sharing. It's broken open and given through Christ, right? So there's an offering of our loneliness for the kingdom's sake and a trusting of Jesus to do what he will with it, which mm -hmm. isn't always what we would choose him to do. Yeah, but, yeah, um, exactly. I want to share something with you that's been really helpful to me. Um, Elizabeth Elliot uh, was a missionary wife who was widowed twice. And uh, so she had a lot of experience um, with loneliness. And she says this, our loneliness cannot always be fixed, but it can always be accepted as the very will of God for now. And that turns it into something beautiful. Perhaps it is like the field wherein lies the valuable treasure. We must buy the field. It is no sun-drenched meadow embroidered with wildflowers. It is a bleak and empty place. But once we know it contains a jewel, the whole picture changes. When through a willed act we receive this thing we did not want, then loneliness, the field, name of the field nobody wants, is transformed into a place of hidden treasure. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really valuable to realize there is treasure in loneliness, the treasure being Jesus. Fellowship with Jesus. Yeah. 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 And, and one of the reasons that God allows loneliness, you know, Adam was lonely in the garden before, you know, God made Eve. And God looked at him and said, this is not good. It's the only not good in creation is Adam's loneliness. So um, that's not to say that, you know, having a partner is the answer to loneliness. Having fellowship is the response mm -hmm. to loneliness, having real connection, having real intimacy with God primarily and with other people. And both of those things are um, to some degree broken mm -hmm. by the fall, but they're, they are going to be gloriously repaired. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, there are glimpses of glory all along the way both in our communion with God and our communion with each other. Glimpses of glory. I love that phrase. And it makes me think of another a helpful tool biblically that we have in being in fellowship, which is remembering where God has seen yeah. us, remembering where he's met us in our loneliness, which is a question we can ask. And I'd love for you to pause again or to do this at the end. I'd love for you to think about a time when God did meet you in your loneliness. Remember that. Share these stories. We are meant to be storytellers. We see how the Israelites forget over and over again where God's been faithful, where he's shown up. We want to practice this as discipleship with one another, with our students. Let's remember. And it doesn't take some effort to sit and say, Lord, remind me of where you've seen me, where uh, you have shown up in a big way. Maybe not solved it, but you've met me in that loneliness. And tell those stories. Uh, they're powerful, and we're made for that. Yeah, it it's a way. God doesn't waste our suffering. That's right. 
and loneliness is not wasted, but it is a way to, to watch him redeem the suffering mm -hmm. is to share the story yeah, is to, to, to actually see how he's, how he's worked in our lives and then to use that story on our hearts and work it back into our hearts when we're having moments of acute loneliness and we, we don't have ways to alleviate some of the pain at the moment is to, to remember what God, remember the faithfulness of the Lord. And to have others remember for us. I think that's been such a gift yeah. to me. My inner circle of girls, of women who know me, who in the moments where I'm, I am, I experience such a suffering of loneliness, whether or not I feel it, they tell me my story. Like, remember this, God. Liz, <laughs> like remember Liz, where God showed up, where, yeah. where this happened. That, let's be rememberers for one another also, you know? Oh, that's good. It's such a gift to have someone tell you your own story you forgot. Uh, man, that's blessed me a lot. Yes, yeah. yeah. And one other thing came to mind while you were sharing. Uh, there's this reality to loneliness, and even to think about Adam in the garden pre-fall, where I think that loneliness can have an element of being an image bearer, uh, there's a dignity to some of our loneliness where no one will ever live the life you've lived. No one has the characteristics you have that reflect the Lord in the way you do. So as you become more of who you've been made to be in Christ, there's going to be a loneliness to that. I'm, a counselor actually told me this, right? Like in my life, as you're becoming, I'm becoming more Liz and being united to Christ. You're becoming more Anna. There is a distinct loneliness to that because no one, no one ever know what it fully looks like to live your life in it or mine. And uh, so there's a weird beauty to that that's painful, but there's also, wait, that's, sanctification is lonely. Well, it's why people can't fix your loneliness. Mm -hmm. that, you know, like a great marriage or a best, best, best friend, they can't fix your loneliness mm -hmm. because they've never been Liz. That's and right. they've never been Anna and they're never going to be. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Sorry, didn't mean to That's so helpful. Yeah, that's yeah, no, true. So in addition to there being a brokenness and a sin that's attached to loneliness that's uh, you know, me interpreting my world through I'm the only one, I have to take care of everything. You know, there can be brokenness, but there can be this beautiful dignity also. Uh, so hold those together. That would be an invitation. That dignity, depravity hermeneutic is really helpful for me for thinking about something like loneliness. So let's look at the glory when we have a student telling us about that or one of our children. And let's also look at the sin that might be behind it, both for the kingdom's sake. And another thing that came to mind while you're reading. So 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. And we're asking about this treasure in the field. Like, what is this that we would sell the field for the treasure that is Jesus? Um, I'm going to read to you from 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you were suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So I, I sometimes get hung up on the, like, I'm supposed to rejoice in my sufferings part of this. Like I can't, I'm not going to do that. It's not going to be true. But this is so much deeper and more all encompassing than that sharing in the sufferings of Christ of being united with him in his death and resurrection that I think is such a real part of when we enter into our loneliness instead of avoiding trying to fix when we offer it unto Christ 
and one another in the body. We share in his death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Like we get to know him there in a different, more powerful way. And that's our real hope, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. not having the right answers, the right discipleship models to offer, the right things to say to our students. It's sharing in the sufferings and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And sharing is the most beautiful healing of loneliness. Amen. Sharing. Yeah. That's what we want. That's what the answer to loneliness is. True, deep, intimate sharing. Yeah, communion. And when we're allowed to commune with Christ in that way, it, it lifts. It lifts the loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. And whether or not it lifts it in the moment, either which way it points us to when it will be lifted. Yeah. One day when all things are made right and every tear is wept away. So there is real hope. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing um, the way this communion with one another and with God rooted in or made for ultimate knowing and being known. Perfect communion with him that breaks in the fall. But that in the now but not yet through Christ we live in that points to when we will be in perfect communion with him. We'll, there, like loneliness won't even be. Won't be a thing. It won't be a thing. Right? <laughs> it won't be fathomable. Um, yeah, yeah. So in the in the now, Jesus is with us, and um, and then and not but not yet that future all will be redeemed. Yeah, yeah. I want to share um, a quick translation of um, Hebrews thirteen five that ministers to me in when I'm really low in loneliness. The Amplified translation says, "I will never, God talking, I'll never under any circumstances desert you." nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. In the original language, there are, God says in five different ways in that verse that he will never leave us. Mm -hmm. And while that is not a truth that you can just slap on that pain and rub it in and, and hope it makes the pain go away. It's not an anesthetic. Mm-hmm. It is not an anesthetic for the pain of loneliness. It is a truth, and we can ask him to um, reveal it to us, open our eyes to it, see how it's working out in our daily lives, and, um, and he's faithful. Oh, I love it. And you brought me to my one of my favorite metaphors, which is that we are midwives mm. as disciples in Christ. That instead of anesthetizing to this pain, we move through it. We invite our students to move through it. I have my friends who, with me, invite me to move through it. We're moving through the labor pains mm-hmm. uh, and bearing that together unto glory one day, everything made right. But like, we are midwives, and I think that's a huge hope we have in suffering and loneliness. This side of the Jordan, we have Christ with us. He will never forsake us or leave us. And it's not the end of our story. It's just not. It's not. It's not. We, this will be something that he's using for his glory. Um, the, the sufferings that we have here mm-hmm. will all work together for his glory. Amen. So that's our hope for you guys, that you would go forth in your smaller groups right now, with your families, with your students, that you would offer your own suffering and loneliness for the kingdom's sake, that you would bear with and be midwives for the sakes of others, and that you would come to know Christ more through it because he's our treasure. He's our real hope. Amen. Thanks for being with us.
I hope that you've enjoyed and been blessed and been encouraged by this episode of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. If you were, uh, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or uh, simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit www.rootedministry.com. As always, we give a special thanks to High Street Hymns for providing the music for this podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Rooted, uh, my name is Davis Lacey. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast.